So they've got that plan in place. And a lot of people get very excited about it. I think it's a great deal. If you don't need all of the cash and you want to roll equity, I think you'll have a second bite of the apple that will be larger than the first in many situations. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon brand builders and brand owners, private labelers, custom product builders, same kind of stuff. Today we are talking with Joe Valley, the author of the Exitpreneurs Playbook. I have a copy right here on my shelf. It's quite a tome. It's not ridiculously detailed, but it is detailed enough to be very useful. So I think one that's very, very useful if you're considering selling or even thinking that you might one day sell, it's going to all help you make your business better. Because if a business is not sellable, guess what? It's probably not ownable either. In other words, uh, selling is transferring an ownership from you. Um, if you're the business owner, I'm presuming you are in most cases with our listeners to somebody else. And if a business is not something that somebody else wants to own, it may not be something you want to own. So in other words, thinking about this, making your business sellable makes it better period so i think everybody should be taking notes of this sort of stuff even if you have no intention of ever selling your business so that said let's plunge into the conversation and uh take notes as ever if you want the show notes go to 10k with a k for kilo collective.com and you will find the notes there that's 10k collective.com for show notes enjoy the show Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact quick to read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. So, Joe, we've got to talk about one important, slightly rude question to ask a broker, but nevertheless, something that's at the top of sellers' minds, I think now, is which is there are a ton of aggregators and there's one born every minute, preferably, you know, they are seem to be adding billions these days to the amount of money they've raised, but certainly hundreds of millions, even in some cases in one company. So why these days do we need to use a broker? Can we not just go direct to an aggregator and and save ourselves 10% or whatever it is of the exit? When I bring on a new advisor on our team, a new broker is more often referred to, I, I tell them, look, the most important job for you, the ability that you've got, I could teach you almost everything, but you have to be able to help people manage their emotions and expectations more than anything else. Because every transaction, for the most part, let's say 90% of all transactions fall off the rails at one point or another. And that's usually in due diligence and on the way to closing. And when they fall off the rails, the buyer says, hey, look, this isn't what I expected. So we're going to have to change the deal structure. We're going to reduce the price. We're going to end up changing the terms and things of that nature. And if you're out there on your own, you are so close, two weeks away from a million, two, three, four, ten, twenty million dollars, and you're going to go, 
I, I can see it. It's within reach. I, I, I get it. I'll just be flexible here. I'll change the deal structure a little bit because I don't want to start this process all over again. A broker that's worth their salt has been through this a hundred times and they know that everything should be based on math and logic. And they've done a great job of preparing the package up front. So all the potential questions are already asked and answered. And the only change in deal structure or term should be if the math was wrong, meaning that your seller's discretionary earnings was off by 10,000. You're selling for a four-time multiple. That means there's only a $40,000 adjustment, no other changes. A great broker will get it back on track to closing with no changes with math and logic and keeping the emotion out of it. If you're selling there on your own, you're going to be emotional about it. Hmm. And the other thing is, look, these aggregators, I really like them. I had dinner and drinks with many of them. They're likable. They're charming. They're well-educated. Most of them are pretty damn good looking. They raise the hell of a lot of money and you want to hang out with them. You trust them. And that's what makes them dangerous. They're in this for their own best interest. They're in this to make the most uh, profit that they can and get the greatest return on investment that they can. That means they're not going to go after you and say, hey, look, I love your brand. We pay all cash, we close in 30 days and we'll pay you more than anybody else. That's a load of bull. It's just simply not true, Michael. They're not going to pay you more than anybody else. We, we had a situation where one of the, I'm going to say one of the, one of the top five aggregators did just that. They reached out to somebody. Yeah, no, I got to hedge my words here very carefully. One of them reached out to a woman that lives not too far from where I live and she ran a board game business, 100% FBA or 95% FBA, I call that 100% FBA business. And they went, reached out to her and said, look, love your business. We pay all cash, close in 30 days. Went through the analysis and they made her an offer of 2.2 million and said, look, based upon your hero skew, the age of the business, the COVID bump, this is the absolute best offer you're ever going to get. We know this. This is what we do. Trust us. We're good people. We've got a great brand. We've got a great, all of that. And she just said, you know what? I don't think so. This doesn't feel right. Let me get some opinions. And she ended up working with Chuck here at Quietlight. Chuck took on the listing, went out, ended up getting seven offers on the business, sold it for $5.5 million. Okay. 5.5 million, more than two times. If people can't see the value in a, an advisor or broker in that situation, then they're blind. It's tough to put your fingers on it, right? It's not like one thing. It's a hundred different things. But look, some people are simply going to do it on their own, Michael, and that's okay. There's plenty of business to go around. Some people will see the value in an advisor. Some people won't. For those that don't, I wrote the book. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just, you can learn from the book and make sure your understanding of all the terminology and deal structures that an aggregator is going to throw at you because odds are they're, they're not going to pay you all cash and close in 30 days. It's going to take a bit longer than that. And it's not going to be all cash or they're going to change up the deal structure in some way. Like earnouts, right? They call earnouts profit sharing, which is hilarious. It's not a profit sharing plan. It's an earnout. You're paying for the, the business. You're paying, you're paying yourself back through an earnout and they're running the business and they pay you based upon revenue. It's not a profit sharing plan. Okay. Profit sharing plan is a retirement plan. You earn profits of the business and you still own it. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't own it. So that, that's why it isn't a profit share. It's not. It's, yeah. they're just playing with words. They're marketing. They're very good at it. They're likable yeah. and charming and they're very good at it. So yeah. That's why they're doing so well. Of course. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with people being likable and charming. All, all things being equal, I prefer to do business with charming people. But I always feel a negotiation. Everyone wants some kind of magic words. Like it's engineering a situation 
which creates competition for you as the price. And, and I think as long as you have a broker that does it for, or if you've, you know, got the stones, I was going to say, and you've been in this situation before and, or you've got savvy enough understanding of M&A situations, which is quite a big if, but I know that some people that I've spoken to, they used a broker first term, weren't very happy. They're doing it for themselves. You could argue, okay, get a better broker. But I can see why if you're able to engineer a situation where you have a feeding frenzy of 10 buyers, including some aggregators, that makes sense. So I think for the majority of people, I can totally see why at least the first couple of times you might want to consider using somebody who's done this for 10 years. I'm in 100% agreement. The first couple of times, I think you ought to have somebody else. And look, I've worked with people that sold the third, fourth, fifth business and still used a broker. Here's the the reality. Look, if, if Mark and I made Mark's my business partner for the folks that hadn't figured that out at Quiet If he and I decided that we wanted to sell Quiet Light to an outside party, we would hire an M&A firm that specializes in our type of business. We've sort of been there, done that. We've closed a half a billion in transactions. We've seen a thing or two, and we think that people should use somebody as well. You don't have to use QuietLight. I think the most important thing to do when working with an advisor is that you connect with them and you mm-hmm. trust them. And they've got experience, obviously, but you've got to have a relationship with them and trust them. They should not be over-promising and under-delivering. They should be giving you honest advice that's in your best interest. And sometimes that means go away, come back in six to 12 months, or let's stay in touch, but you're not ready yet. Your business isn't worth what you think it is. And sometimes that's just relentless honesty. We used to call it reckless honesty because often we'd lose clients for that reason, but it's just relentless honesty. Yeah, no, I do the same. I mean, I just, I just think sometimes it's from the selfish point of some kind of advisor that um, working with a person with excessive expectations is going to cause everyone to be unhappy <laughs> down the line, that one coming. I know some people in that world who I think are very, very good at what they do, but what they do is, you know, try the best value business days they can. I think you make very good points, really. Yeah, let me be crystal clear. I am not anti-aggregator either. We've sold hundreds of millions of dollars to aggregators. Again, they're good people. You just need to make sure that if you're selling on your own, that you've got the tools and resources to negotiate the right kind of deal for yourself. Just to reiterate, you've written the book on it. It's an entrepreneur's playbook. Joe Valley is the the one to, to go for. And you're offering just to not miss this either, just to reiterate a bit of a call to action before we do last couple of questions. If you go to www.exitpreneur.io forward slash amazing FBA, is that the right URL? And you can free digital copy of the book. And Buzz is a legit full on paperback book that I've got a copy, which is quite lightweight sort of thing. No, it's, it's the real thing and properly basically, you know, laid out. So just to cut last couple of questions then, I'm really, I'm going to save your trick with aggregators to last because I think that's great. One sort of big picture question about valuations. It feels to me like the valuations that I hear from people are going up and up. I'm presuming that that can't really continue in that way. Do you feel that they're hitting a peak? What do you think is driving it? Is it just the aggregators and people throwing money at it? What's your sort of predictions are dangerous things, but if I can persuade you in that direction, what's your prediction on valuation? Yeah, they've definitely gone up. There's no question about it. If you go back five years ago, uh, if it was an FBA business, it was always worth less than a Shopify business because it was single channel and perceived risk was higher. Now, people that are smarter than you and me combined have raised billions of dollars and are buying FBA businesses. And they're pushing the multiple up, uh, both through instilling confidence in sellers that their business is worth more and through competition amongst each other. I do expect the multiples to hold unless there's just a complete economic collapse or crash of the stock market or hyperinflation, things of that nature. I, I do expect the multiples to at the very least hold in 2022. The 
new aggregators are still coming into the space. So I think that it, there's a possibility that the multiples will get pushed up a little bit more. But in some cases, it, if they're pushed up, it won't be pushed up in all cash. It'll be with seller financing or with earnouts or with inventory notes or perhaps even rolling equity, which I think is not a terrible deal if you're selling to an aggregator. There's the possibility of a multiple growth again, but I don't think it'll be just for all cash deals. Yeah, that makes sense. So rolling equity, you better explain roughly what that is. Okay. So let's say that I'm going to sell my business for $50 million, right? I like big numbers, selling for $50 million. And I'm selling it to a company that is really well-established and they can take it to well-established and they can take it to half a billion dollars in annual revenue. I know I can't take it there, but I know they can. So instead of selling a hundred percent of my business, I'm going to sell them 90. I'm going to keep 10 and I'm going to, it's called rolling equity because really what I'm doing is rolling my 10% into the new co that they're establishing where my business will go into. I might just stay on the board of advisors or board of directors, really just an advisory role. I'm out of the daily grind. And then I will have a bite, a second bite of the apple, so to speak, right? I may get distributions if there are distributions over that time period. But when that business sells again, I own 10% of it. And they've taken it from 50 million to a half a billion. So it's going to be a much bigger exit. And so that 10% may grow to the point where I'll have a second bite of the apple and a second exit along the way. That's called rolling equity. Okay. And is that a, presumably that's not a very common scenario. I can come across that now. It's not. I would say maybe 10% of the aggregators do it. Grove, G-R-O-W-V-E, Dave Bunch at Grove.com. Uh, they do it. They buy supplement businesses. They prefer that niche. And oftentimes they will do a equity role situation. Usually they're looking to buy uh, 60%, at least 50%. They want full control of it, 60% or so. And then they'll ask you to roll the other 40%. So you've got to be in a situation financially where you're okay not getting 100% of the money at closing and that you can have some of that just rolled in into the new code. They have a very specific plan to exit in the next two or three years. So they've got that plan in place. And a lot of people get very excited about it. I think it's a great deal. If you don't need all of the cash and you want to roll equity, I think you'll have a second bite of the apple that will be larger than the first in many situations. What strikes me about it is that the personality that would cope with that situation is quite not common amongst the owner operators that I know because they're very, very hands on the cookie dough, very possessive. And I think that presumably you must be really hard to kind of half hand your business over that you used to be in charge of, but not be walking away from it either. I can imagine that emotionally that'd be quite tricky and you've got to balance that up with the potential massive payout. I suppose it, it, three years isn't so long to wait though. I was thinking when you were saying that getting up from 50 million to half a billion, I was thinking presumably looking at a five to 10 year window, but like two to three years, that's pretty aggressive. It is. They've got a specific, and they've already had offers. With your 10%, sometimes it becomes much more valuable right away because that 10% may be worth now eight to 10 times Whereas when you owned it, it was only worth three to four. But you're getting an instant equity bump in your 10% pretty quickly because it's in a portfolio, an aggregator portfolio that's already worth maybe 10 times instead of their four when it's a standalone business. That's very interesting. So I guess you're getting to benefit from the aggregator's uh, situation so that you, you tend to get slightly low ball offers if you've got an individual aggregator, unless you created a sort of feeding frenzy situation, which I know is part of the broker's job. But even if you do it yourself, hard to do, but possible, I guess. But the equity role thing feels to me like you're benefiting from their ability to do the literally what aggregators are supposed to do, which is roll things up and then repackage them and aggressively market them and everything else they can do. Re-engineer the finances, chuck capital at it, such that it's a bigger, more valuable entity. 
not just in absolute terms, but the multiple is yes. so in other words, it's more valuable relative terms. So that that's a very interesting thing. I didn't even know it was possible. I guess that you it sounds like you're talking about the biggest size businesses. What sort of business deals does an equity role apply to, do you think? I closed one about a year ago in early 2021. It was two Grove. Ballpark, I think, was probably worth 2.6, 2.7 million plus inventory. And they kept 30, they rolled 30% equity. It's not just for the really big businesses. That's an interesting, I mean, for the right person, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. I can imagine some specific business owners I know who you'd be kind of prizing their fingers off the control levers of the company and that would be a bit of a nightmare. So that's a whole ball game, right? It, it all depends upon the individual business owner. Some just want to get out of the daily grind. They want to do product development and, you know, a company like Grove loves that. They're like, please just keep developing products for us. I mean, I don't have a $2.5 million uh, value business, but if I did, I, I would love an equity role situation because I feel like I'd learn a lot from other people and I'm not a hands-on kind of person. But, you know, it's it's interesting that there are quite a lot of people that are good at building. To your point, the, there's a mentality that it takes to get a business to one to $3 billion or whatever. It does not necessarily translate to the next stage. I've seen that a few times now. I mean, for starters, you can build a business if you're selling the right types of products with zero staff uh, up to a point and then if you're great at product development and you're great at marketing, which is not a common combination, but you happen not to be good with staff, I've seen that be a barrier. It's interesting how for the right kind of person, that sounds like an interesting option. Very interesting. So the final question I ought to put to you is really, uh, apart from how do we get hold of you, is this trick with aggregators you were talking about. So that sounds like we, we've teased people for long enough. Tell me how we save eighteen to $24,000 in three minutes. <laughs> So I've got three minutes here. So I was actually on a LinkedIn live broadcast with the founder of a very well-known aggregator. And I'm trying really carefully not, I'm threading the needle, right? Because I want to make sure that people that are selling their business to aggregators really understand how to negotiate with these people. So he was kind of enough to have me on. I, I asked a question. I said, look, you guys, there's an ad back schedule, right? An ad back is an owner benefit or one-time expense that doesn't carry forward. Do you guys subscribe to Jungle Scout and Helium 10, right? He said, yeah. I'm like, how much do you pay a month for both of those? Yeah, about about $500 a month, probably $6,000 a year. Right. So if I run an FBA business and I subscribe to both of those, that's an expense that does not carry forward to you, right? And he goes, and he, the look in his eyes was like, Joe, don't do this. I'm like, he's like, yeah, no, that. We already have those, so it's not a new expense. I'm like, okay, so it makes sense that somebody could do an ad back for those. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> it was an awkward situation. But the reality is $6,000, if you spend 500 bucks a month on those two you know, SaaS products and you're selling only to an FBA business, they approached you and you put together a P&L with a proper ad back schedule, you can put that in there. And the logic is math and logic. It's got to be black and white. Look, this is an expense that does not carry forward to you, Mr. Aggregator, because you already subscribe. So it's an ad back and they will have a real hard time arguing with that. If you're getting three or four times, that's eighteen to $24,000 put in your pocket. You know, good advice, whether you pay people up front or they take a percentage of the deal, you should get a return on investment or value from the people you work with and you should be selective. Assuming you've picked the right people, you need to get super professional advice when you're dealing with a serious asset, even developing a product. I do think that people seem to think that they can DIY everything just because they can doesn't mean they should. And I guess that's one of the mentality shifts that I see as you were pointing out, because going from what got you here won't get you there. I, I think getting professional advice is always wise. And, and I would get the book. Uh, but the other thing is go and talk to professionals and, you know, brokers will talk to you for free, I presume. So Joe, if people want to talk to you, and they've got a business that they are considering selling, how do they get hold of you or indeed your colleagues? I think that 
the best step is just to go to quietlight.com and click on the valuation form. It's a short form that you fill out. One of the advisors will reach out to you within 24 hours and set up a call with you and give you the same advice and analysis that Mark gave me back in 2010. Go through the P&L, let you know how close or how far you are to your financial goals and your exit goals and what levers you need to push or pull based upon those four pillars we talked about, right? Risk, growth, transferability, documentation, improve your business so that it's going to be stronger when you decide to exit, whether that's tomorrow or 12 months from now or 18 months. There's no fee for it, by the way. It's a free valuation. We do it on a hope that someday we'll earn your business, but there's no obligation whatsoever. There's no sales pitch. It's very soft, very helpful first, more than anything else. Any situation where you need some special advice, most people are hoping to win your business including lawyers sometimes, accountants, in this case, brokers of businesses, will give free advice. So that's what I would suggest. And I have also say that my experience of quiet life, having spoken to three of you guys now, is that you're incredibly focused on a sort of gentle educational approach. That's been very much my experience. And I think that's the sort of person you want to find. Yeah. It's a funny thing. We could be considered an education company that just happens to be M&A advisors in the online space as well. So it's interesting. You need to become the trusted advisor to somebody before they pay you a penny. And I think that's the point. Begin, trusted advisor. The ebook by Joe Valley of Quiet Life Brokerage, folks that we're talking to today, um, very much on the mission of education, exactly to your point that you said, Joe. Go to exitpreneur.io forward slash amazing FBA and not only get a copy of the book, but a free digital copy of the book. You could also buy a physical copy of it at Amazon or other places like that. Yep. Just go to Amazon.com. You can buy the book there too. And so I definitely recommend it. It's, it's it's very detailed, but it's also laid out in a very comprehensible, non-jargony way, which I thought was really helpful. Joe, last question to you. Is there a question that I should have asked you that I haven't? No, man, you've been very, very thorough. Um, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Just the last thing remains for me to say is, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We got through the internet issues and I think that the book is going to be a godsend to anyone who's even considering selling. And I think everybody should consider selling. So I think that's anyone with a business out there that's sellable. Joe Valley of Quiet Light brokerage author of the Exapreneurs playbook thank you so much for coming on the show thank you appreciate it thanks for listening to the 10k collective podcast for six and seven figure amazon sellers i really hope you found the show helpful to you please don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a quick star rating it will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.